The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, so last week we asked a question, uh, a big daring question, and that question was, who are your many? Who are your many? We started in in Luke 8, and, and we looked at this teaching that Jesus gave, known as the parable of the sower. What we're going to be doing today is kind of part two. And so let me re- kind of uh, review where we were last, last week. We talked about a sower going out into the field and scattering seed. Uh, we, we talked, Jesus taught that that seed that was being scattered was the seeds of the gospel. It was the word of God. It was being scattered. The throwing of the seeds represented the, as the sower went and threw the seeds and as they fell on the earth on all different types of soil, Jesus told us that, hey, that soil represents us, the hearers of the word. And some of the soil falls on less than ideal paths and, and, and earth. We have some that fall on the hard path, others on the rocks, others on the thorns. And in each and every one of those cases, the seed does not take root like it's supposed to. It does not grow like it was supposed to. And it does not bear fruit. It's either choking, choked out, blown away by wind, stolen away by birds. And Jesus taught that there, that there is another soil, though, and that some of these seeds fall on what he calls good soil, soil that is receptive. And not only do the seeds take root in the soil, but they grow and they bear fruit. And Jesus said this parable is about scattering the seeds of the gospel, throwing out the seeds of the gospel for the community to hear, seeds that will fall on the ears of all types of people, some who will hear and receive, others who will not. And this parable led us to ask a couple of questions. First and foremost, it led us to ask, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil are we? Not only that, it caused us to ask the question, am I really thinking of myself as the sower? Uh, Are we, who are the people that God has brought into our lives? What path has God put us on to be sowers of the gospel? Because as we talked about, it's our responsibility to walk that path, the path that God placed us on, and to scatter seeds of the gospel, knowing, just like this parable says, that it's going to fall on all types of people. Some people who are thorny, rocky, and pathy, right? And nothing we can do as the sower is going to make them less thorny, less rocky, less pathy. Nothing. But we're to sow anyway. We're to sow anyway. We cannot, let me just say this again, we cannot conjure up good soil. It's not our job. It's not our task. 
our task is simply to scatter seeds. And before we get into our text, there are two things that we kind of knew coming off of this. Number one is you and I, we, we don't really know the kind of soil that is around us. We are lousy judges of the kind of soil that is around us. Some of you might be here and think, I work in an office full of heathens. They're not going to want to hear anything from me. This whole Jesus thing, this whole, no, heathens. You might think that. You might think you're surrounded by rock. You might think you're surrounded by thorns. You might think that it's just path out there. When in the end, you may be surrounded by some good soil. We make lousy judges of the soil around us. That's why we're not called to be soil assessors. We're called to be seed throwers. We don't know. That's the first thing. The second thing is we are placed on our path, in our circles, in our networks, in our communities. We are placed there intentionally and for a purpose. To be a witness for Jesus, to make disciples, to teach them all that Jesus commanded us, right? That's what Jesus says. So we are called to sow seeds of the gospel. Hear me, you are called to sow seeds of the gospel in places and in ways that none of us can. No one sits in your chair, in your office. No one walks your path. That's you. And God gave you those shoes. God gave you that path for a divine purpose that is bigger than coincidence. So because of that, we started last week with this question, big question of who are your many? Who are our many? Who are the people in your social circles? Who are the people in your communities, in your network? These people, those people, whether we like it or not, are the many in your life. Who are your many? Now, this morning, what I'd like for us to do is to imagine together, imagine if we became more aware of them. Imagine if we began praying more for them. Imagine if our many completely dominated our prayers this week. Imagine a church full of people like that. Imagine if we scattered gospel seeds and just for good measure, let's scatter it again just in case we miss one. Imagine if we were a people like that, a church who knew who our many was, we were aware of them when we were committed to sharing the gospel with them. And don't hear me wrong, we will not ever know all the right answers. In fact, um, you're probably never gonna know the perfect way to scatter gospel seed in your circles. You might not ever know the perfect timing in fact, in many circumstances, I've talked to some of you this last week who've let me know just how difficult it is to scatter seed in your circles. And, and, and on top of that, I'm also not saying that if we do this, if we go out and scatter, rah, 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 that everyone's gonna repent here, follow Jesus. I'm also not saying that. How many know that revival is not up to us? Obedience is, faithfulness is, but revival in our community is the work and the act of God, right? But church, this morning, I want us to imagine a church, a community of faith, who are faithful and obedient to sow. 
to scatter. And so, to pick up on that, um, you remember Jesus in Matthew 9. He says, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Imagine if we were a church who prayed earnestly that prayer, continually aware and asking ourselves, who are our many? Now, this morning, Jesus is going to continue on in this. He's going to give us an analogy this morning, and he's going to build on the parable he gave us before. Really, what he's doing is giving us an analogy to help us better understand his previous analogy. All right, you following with me? Here's why I say this. He's not changing the subject. Sometimes we read our Bibles and we read them in nice Packages, you know, this verse to this verse is this. Now close it. This verse, this is is together. He hasn't switched topics here. Um, Jesus is really good at using obvious things to teach hidden truth. He's not changing topics here. And so I want to dive into this understanding that we just now get the privilege of going even deeper. So with me, would you look at this familiar text in, in Luke 8, 16? No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that all who enter may see the light. Let me start with the obvious here. Let's start with the why. Why is this true? Why would you not take a lamp, light it, cover it, and put it under your bed, besides it being dangerous, right? Um, Now, this might be lost on some of us too. Let me just touch on this because we don't live in the lamp lighting world anymore. In fact, when your room is dark, you flip a switch and it's not dark, right? Or, or um, none of us have flashlights. Let's be honest. What we do is we grab our phone and we hit that little button that has a little flashlight symbol and instantly we have light. Instantly, boom, light, right? But think about this from the world of pottery lamps, No one in their right mind would take the time to prepare a lamp, to fix the pottery lamp with oil, fix that wick perfectly, get it to light, work with it, get it to burn. I talk like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. I've never done this before, but imagine it, all right? Imagine with me doing this and then go through all of that effort only to take that burning lamp to cover it completely, and then to tuck that thing away under your bed. The entire purpose would be defeated. Uh, If your lit lamp were under your bed in a box, the entire purpose for your lit lamp would be defeated, right? Easy to see this. Imagine it like this. Imagine if there was a big storm lightning, thunder shuts off everything, shuts off your light shuts off your Netflix, shuts off your Wi-Fi, all of it out, done. It's out. Like any person, like I said, in 2018 would do, we grab our phone, we turn on the flashlight. I want you to imagine you're doing that. Dark house, flashlight on, right? Um, So that you're able to see around that dark room. Imagining it, just imagine your living room, right? Now imagine you take off your shoe. You hold that shoe in your left hand, You're holding your phone flashlight in your right. 
I want you to imagine you take that flashlight, that beacon of light, that dark, the uh, light in the darkness of your room, and I want you to imagine you drop it into your shoe. Then you take that shoe and you find uh, a cardboard box, you put it in there. You tape it up and then you put that under your bed. What have I just described to you? A crazy person. An absolutely crazy, crazy person. No one would do that. You turn on your flashlight for one purpose, and then you go through the process of defeating the one purpose that you turned it on for. That purpose was to bring light to the darkness. And just like that phone, it's crazy to take a lit lamp and to ignore its purpose, to hide it, to conceal it. Let's unpack this analogy a little bit. I want you to ask and answer these two questions. Who is the light and who is the lamp? Who is the light and who is the lamp? Let's be careful here. There's an old song that says, uh, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm not gonna sing it for you, but you know it, right? You know it? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Who is the light? Who is the light? When I say light, I am asking, who is the source of this light? And I want to give you a hint. It is not you. Now, yes, it is through you, but it is not you. The truth is, is that you are not the light, just as you are not the seed. So who is the light? It's the same as the seed. Jesus Christ is the light. The light is the word of God. The light is the gospel. Jesus says in John 8, 12, you don't need to turn with me here, but he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just as in the parable of the sower, the seed is Christ, the seed is the word of God, the seed is the gospel. The light here is Jesus Christ, the word of God, the light. Jesus says, look, we don't light a lamp only to hide it, because that's what crazy people do. We don't do that. The same is true for the word of God. The same is true for the gospel. God has not given us his word. God has not sent his son, not given us the gospel in order that we would hide it. In order that we would store it away for just a select secret few of us to get to know. God has not given us his word so that we cannot understand it, not access it, not know him through it. No, like a seed which has a purpose, like a light that has a purpose. The word of God, the gospel of Christ has a purpose and that purpose is to light what is dark. This little light of mine, that light is not you, it's not your shining personality. It's Christ in you. It is Christ through you. It is the light that you possess through Jesus Christ. That is the light that you have. And you may hear that and think, well, wait a second. I'm gonna call your bluff, pastor, because what about the scripture that says we're the light? We see this in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then Matthew picks up Jesus' teaching People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, or, but on a stand and gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ha! 
There it is, Pastor. We are the light, right? Yes, in that sense we are. But don't get the lamp and the light confused. You are the light, but hear me, you are only the light because the true life is shining through you. You are only the light of the world because the light of the world is shining through you. You are the light of the world just as the lamp is the light of the room. And if that lamp is not lit, then that lamp is not the light. But as that lamp is lit, that lamp becomes the light of the entire room. And in the same way, apart from Christ, you have no light. You are no light. As nice as you are, as kind as you are, as pleasant as you are, you are like a cold, unlit, pottery lamp apart from Christ. But through Christ, you are the light to the darkness. I say this for several reasons. One is if that light was yours, sure, hide it away. If it were you, do what you want with it. But since it's not, since it's been given to you for a purpose, because the light is shining through you and in you, through Christ, it is not yours to hide away. Jesus Christ is a light of the world. And church, you are his lamp, given for the purpose to bring light to the darkness of this world. Let's make it closer to be light to the darkness of your community. When we look and we see the darkness of the world around us, I want you to hear me. When we look and we just see, like, what is this world coming to? We see our offices, we see our schools. We drive by the bus stop where middle schoolers are waited to get picked up for school and you hear some of the most insane, inappropriate conversations I've ever heard. And you wonder, what is all this darkness? Our question should not be, what happened with all this darkness? No, instead our question needs to be, what happened to all the light? Darkness is the default. What happened to the light? We must understand, you have been given to your community, to your circles, to your many for a reason, and it is to bring light into what is dark. We talk about the gospel all the time together, but listen, you're not given the gospel to hoard it. It's not for you to just take, sit, soak, enjoy, and hide it. You're not given gospel seeds to keep them in the bag. You're not a lamp to stay unlit, to be hidden. You're not given Christ not to share Christ. You're, you're not created in the image of God, being conformed into the image of Christ for you not to image Christ to the world. You are not given the kingdom of God without the understanding that you are an ambassador for that kingdom. You are given seeds to scatter and light to shine. It is not optional. It is not a suggestion. It is Christian. And I want us to think, your relationship with Christ is deeply personal. I get that. 
It's deeply personal, but it is never meant to be private. Ever. Personal, never private. Introvert, extrovert, young, old, man, woman, boy, girl. You are called into community together and then out into your community to share the light, to be the light, to bring light into the darkness. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to dream a little bit this morning. What would it look like if that happened? What would it look like here in our city if that happened? What would it look like here in North Central San Antonio if we came together in our community to then scatter out, to share light, to be light, to bring light to the darkness? What could this look like? I wanna ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 19. I'm reminded of an absolutely incredible example that I could not not share. What could happen? What could happen? Well, it happened a long time ago. Um, Actually, it happened when a church was planted. When the church in Ephesus was planted, this ancient city who would later be the recipient of the book of the letter in your Bible called Ephesians. Do you remember what happened when this church was planted? Do you remember what happened when this church became a church? We won't get to spend much time here, but I had to share this because this church paints a picture of what could happen when light is light. Listen to this. Um, what we know here is that the Apostle Paul went to, went to Ephesus in Acts 19, and he began to have some gospel conversations. Look with me. Um, verse 1, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to our city of Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they say, into John's baptism. And so Paul begins to see, he smells the blood and the water. He knows this is a gospel opportunity to share. So he starts to teach. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So Paul says, hey, 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 let me point you to someone. Let me point you to someone, right? And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Get this, verse 7. There were about 12 men in all. Don't miss that. What we're about to read started with 12 in all. 12. And by the way, a church was planted. Now follow with me. Let's fast forward. Verse 8, he entered the synagogue and for three months uh, spoke boldly. Three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, pause here, even Paul encountered hard soil. Even Paul here is pouring himself out in this incredibly difficult soil here. Hears him, wants nothing to do about it. Here we see the hard soil that Jesus predicted would come. 
scattering gospel seeds, and some became stubborn. Now, listen, because of this, because of the hard soil, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years. Take in these details. Two years. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Church, 12 to all. 12 to all. All. Now, all didn't necessarily hear and believe and repent and be baptized. No, but all heard. In other words, to use our sower analogy, the gospel seeds had been scattered to everyone. All, 12 to all, this is incredible. And what was the result of something like that? What happened as a result of all of this scattering? Well, let's find out. Fast forward with me to verse 21. And after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through uh, Macedonia to Achaia and to go and go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he had this mission and having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. All right, here we go. So Paul's moving on, right? But listen to what happens. Verse 23, about that time arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines to Artemis, uh, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and you hear that not only in Ephesus but in almost all of Asia this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, verse 27, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing. And that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Okay, stop here. Because of time, but do you realize what just happened? The gospel started with 12 people. Gospel conversations with 12 people. A church is planted, and then 12 people scattered gospel seeds. And it spread. And as a result of the gospel, the gospel seeds being scattered, the light being shown, follow with me. This is what happened. The economy of an entire city was impacted. The economy of an entire region was impacted. In other words, businessmen who were making a good deal of money were going out of business. And get this, it wasn't because Christians were picketing or rioting outside of their storefronts. They didn't have to. 
They were going out of business because the gospel was being preached and because there were no longer customers. Whew, that is awesome. That would be like the gospel taking such a root in our city that all strip clubs shut down. Not because we pick at them, but because there's no business for them. That is incredible. That, what happened in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, what happened as a result of 12 gospel conversations was incredibly massive. The gospel light was shining in the darkness in such a way that businesses that profited off of evil were going out of business. The gospel changes everything. And keep in mind, this didn't start with just massive repentance. What did it start with? Hard soil. For three months, they were just being, seeing nothing but, as the text says, stubborn people. But then they persisted for two years. And an entire continent was reached. An entire city was transformed. And the economy of a region was turned upside down because people were coming to know Jesus. This is what could happen. This is what could happen when the church scatters the seed that we have in our bags. This is what could happen when the church begins to shine the light and not put it in a box under our beds like weird people. Who are your many? We need to hear me. As many hear the gospel, by the grace of God, all of them, but if not all, some will hear and respond. And as some hear and receive by the grace of God, they will go out to reach their many, and on and on and on it goes. That's the gospel coming alive. In more and more people, the light shining brighter and brighter. That's the gospel coming to light in the darkness, transforming us, transforming our churches, transforming our communities, transforming our city. The light of the gospel shining through his lamps for his glory. Christ is the light, you are the lamp. So church, who are your many? Who are your many? There's a quote I want to read to you. This is by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he says this, we are not responsible to God for the souls that are saved. But we are responsible for the gospel that is preached and for the way in which we preach it. Now that'll preach. You and I are going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account, not for the responses, not for the gospel responses, but for your obedience. To preach the gospel. You're not gonna stand before the Lord and give an account for the responses of the many, but you will stand before the Lord for your obedience to preach the gospel to the many. Who are your many? Now, um, I put a note card on your chair. Uh, hopefully you still have it. If not, 
grab one. I want everyone in the room to, to have one. Maybe minus babies, all right? But if you're not a baby, I want you to have one, all right? Um, grab one. If you need another one, just stick up your hand. We'll, we'll, we'll get you one. Um, but grab one. And when you have your card, hopefully you have a pen around you as well. I know some of you are super uncomfortable right now. Like, Pastor, what are you about to do? Hang with me. It won't be that bad. On this card, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down your circles. What I mean by this is I want you to write down your groups, the the people that you're around, your networks that you are in. You don't need to list them by name. Don't list the people by name, but maybe they're your, your groups. Write down your networks, your circles, your communities that you are in. So let me give you an example. For some of you, it might be your office. Just write down my, my office, right? That's a circle. That's a network. Maybe your school. Uh, maybe it's your family. Extended and immediate. Uh, maybe it's a group of friends that you are in. Uh, writing, running club, CrossFit. You CrossFitters know how to do this better than anyone, right? Um, your gym buddies, that's a network. Hopefully, your church is on here, your community group, your ministry. Maybe it's your neighborhood, your community. Uh, maybe it's your social media connections and the people that you have impact with. Um, I'm going to try to write while I talk, so I don't know if that'll work, but um, what are the circles that God has placed you in? What are the paths that he has placed you on? Just for a moment, write them down. Write them down. Um, and parents, after you, after you do yours, help your kiddos. Write them down. And some of you are going to have a lot. Many circles, many groups. Some of you are going to have like two. That's okay. Write them down. Write them down. Give you time to do that. I did get a head start, but I was thinking of a few while I was saying so. All right, write it down. How are you doing? Who are your groups? Who are your networks? Who are your tribes? Write them down. Write them down. All right. Now I want you to take your card. I want you to hold it in your hand Because on this card is the answer to the question, who is your many? Who are your many? The answer to that question is written on the card that you now hold in your hand. On this card are your many. They're your people. They're the souls that are in your path. And I want you to hear me. 
There are people that are represented on this card who do not yet know the truth of the gospel, who have not responded to the gospel. There are people represented on your card who are lost, who, and they are your many. These are your many. Scatter the seed, shine the light. So I want to challenge us to start here. And here's what I want us to do. I want you to do something with me this week. I want you to take this card, take it with you. You don't need to give it, you know, pass it forward or anything like that. I want you to take it with you. And I want you to let this card dominate your prayer life this week. I want you to take this card and I want you to pray for every group for every name that you can think that occupy this group, especially if you get a sense that they do not yet know Jesus, I want you to pray over each and every group, each and every name. Listen, spouses, pray over your cards together. Parents with kids, pray with your kids over the cards. Don't just pray over their cards. Have them help you pray over your cards. Come together around this to pray for our many. Community groups. If you're in a community group, pray together for your minis. Pray together for the lives that are represented on each one of our cards. I want to challenge you to pray specifically and directly. I want to challenge you to allow this to dominate your prayers and dominate your thoughts this week. And this week, let's be a church praying for our many. We know God desires to bring light to dark places. We know that. We, we get that. And believing that we, his lamps, we know that we are the tools that he wishes to use to accomplish that. We believe that the light of Christ is stronger and more powerful than any darkness. I asked earlier, what could this look like? What could it look like if we were a church about this? We have more than 12 in the room. What, would, what, could, what could it look like if the light were to shine in the darkness like this in our community, in our city? I want you to just think about this for a moment. Every single one of us has a card. Every single one of us has a card. The amount, can you even fathom, the amount of people, the amount of souls, the amount of families, can you even imagine the amount of people that are represented right now, collectively, on our cards? That church is an Acts 19 movement. That is an Ephesus movement. And that is my prayer. So here as we close, I'd like for us to pray for our many together. Would you join with me? Would you pray? God, we, first and foremost, Lord, we come to you and we repent for so often hiding our lights. It's not ours to hide It's ours to shine. Lord, would you forgive us?
for the, the ways that we have said no. But God, we know that because we have said no in the past does not mean that we continue to say no. So right now, I pray that you help us to say yes. I pray right now for, for three things. I pray first for awareness, that you would grow our awareness of the soil that is around us. I pray that you would grow our awareness of the fact that we are not here to sit, soak, and enjoy until we sit, soak, and enjoy later for all eternity, but that we are here to shine your light. We are here for a purpose and on a mission. Would you help us to be aware of that? Would you help us to be aware that we're not only to enjoy your kingdom here, but we are to be ambassadors for it? Would you help us? Would you grow our awareness of that? I pray that you would bring the people on our, represented on our cards to our minds often, specifically this week. Lord, we pray for, for awareness. Second, Lord, I just want to pray specifically for opportunities and boldness. Lord, as you give us the awareness and we start to see the gospel opportunities around us, would you give us, would you help us to be bold? Would you help us to live into the way you created us, which is to be your light? God, and third, I, I pray for fruit. I know that we are not guaranteed that as we share the gospel, that they will hear, they will repent, and they will come to you. We know that. But Lord, we pray for fruit. Your word tells us that the harvest is plentiful. And now we pray that you would send out workers for that harvest. God, would you help us this week? Would you help us with our many? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, church, I want to do something fun as we close our service today.